Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of vice. It's Friday, September 14th. I'm Sophie Casas. Today, we're talking about a new book by Donna Freitas called Consent on Campus, which tackles the widespread issue of sexual assault on university campuses. More than ever before, people are coming forward and speaking out about sexual assault on campuses. This issue is serious, it's complex, and widespread. According to a 2015 survey, 23% of students experience some kind of sexual misconduct. And while the U.S. government has conducted 502 investigations of colleges for possibly mishandling reports of sexual violence, 310 of these cases still remain open. One thing is clear. Universities are lagging behind in addressing this issue comprehensively. And this is just what Donna Freitas' new book discusses. So I sat down with vice writer Hope Reese, who reviewed the book, to talk about it. You wrote an article about Donna Freitas' new book, Consent on Campus, which challenges what she calls hookup culture on university campuses, and then, by extension, argues for a culture of consent. How does Freitas define hookup culture, and what are the messages that this culture is sending to college students? According to Freitas, hookup culture teaches students to not care about their partner's needs, to not check in, to not be concerned, just really to be indifferent. And this is really a problem when we are thinking about consent, which requires and demands healthy communication, checking in. So it's really at odds with the whole concept of consent. And that that's another reason why what she calls technical consent, like yes means yes, no means no, is also a really kind of misguided way to think about consent. Because if you are talking about students who aren't caring about their partner and don't think it's important to care, you know, to expect them to all of a sudden just kind of conform to this standard doesn't really kind of take into account the way that they're actually engaging in sexual relationships. And where does this ambivalence come from? Yeah, that's another good question. You know, the thing about it is she sees it as as a really kind of constricting piece of hookup culture. So Instead of, you know, students might think they're, they're on campus, they're free, they're having these kind of liberated experiences. But um, her argument is that it's actually restrictive. It's like the students are, she even calls it like they're living back in the 50s. So she says the reality is that hookup culture is a culture of sexual oppression and repression, of prescription and performance 
even of generalized coercion for both men and women. So there's a kind of reality of hookup culture versus kind of the version that they think the fantasy of hookup culture, which, you know, could be exciting for some people and liberating, but often doesn't have that effect. The The effects that she's noticed is, are that um, many students are really deeply unhappy with the current uh, situation. And how widespread is this issue really? A 2015 survey of college students um, showed that 23% experience some kind of sexual misconduct. So women who are in college, um, 18 to 24 year old women are three times more likely than average women to be assaulted. The other problem is even though we're seeing more reports, there's still a problem with people being afraid to come forward. So only 20% of female student victims report incidents to law enforcement. So this is a big reason that we need to talk about the issues. We need to kind of engage in them. And then especially, so right now it's uh, school is starting. It's September. Um, this survey also showed that August, September, October, and November are peak months for sexual assault. That's when more than 50% of the assaults occur. So it's especially kind of relevant right now as we're getting into school. So not only is it a problem, but it's a problem that universities are complicit in. They're responsible for. All of these cases are uh, places where we need to kind of put pressure on universities to take the issue seriously. And the book came out a few years after the Columbia University student Emma Sulkowitz garnered quite a lot of attention for their project Mattress Performance, Carry That Weight. Can you remind our listeners what that project consisted of and looked like and how that project changed the conversation on campuses around sexual assault, since that's also a part of this book? Emma Sulkowitz was a sophomore at Columbia University, and they claim that they were raped by a classmate. So there was um, a, a claim filed. They reported it. And also later, uh, uh, other students reported similar incidents. The man who they accused of this was found not responsible by Columbia. So this actually spurred 23 more students and alumni to file a, a massive 100-page complaint against Columbia. So what happened was Sulkowitz um, was you know, unhappy with the lack of support from Columbia, and they created a, a senior thesis based around the incident, carrying a 50-pound twin, you know, college-style mattress. And the project was meant to represent, you know, here's the burden that I've been carrying around. So it became a, a really, like, hot-button issue, not just for Columbia, but kind of all across the country. And Freitas talks about this as an example of 
first of all, she talks about it as a turning point for the kind of conversations that she was having on campuses. Because before that point, Freitas didn't feel that universities were really kind of engaged in the subject as much. They didn't want to have her come and talk. They weren't as open to having that. After this point, all of a sudden, this, along with the Obama Title IX mandate, these kind of came close to each other. But all of a sudden, universities were really interested in having her talk. But when she would talk, because of this project, the atmosphere was very tense and students were kind of on guard a little bit. So she talks about this incident in that way as kind of this turning point, but also she uses it as an example of a really kind of constructive and creative way to engage in the conversation. So at the core of Freitas's book, she really cares about using the the structures and the foundation of the university to address a very complicated problem. And that, you know, students like Sulkowitz coming up with a way to engage in this dialogue is actually what universities should be aiming for. They should be really encouraging that kind of um, discussion and debate and dialogue. Yeah. And even though Emma Sulkowitz's mattress performance became this turning point um, and kind of changed the conversation, Freitas says that still many universities are really lagging behind on educating students around issues of consent and and having these more open, transparent conversations that really go there. So what are some of the changes that Freitas wants to see? Right. Yeah. Freitas sees that on the plus side, universities have become interested and also, you know, they've been pushed to uh, comply with the Title IX mandate. So it's a good thing in one sense, but the way that it plays out, she sees that universities are sometimes just trying to like cover themselves. They just want to kind of check a box. Like, did we comply? Did we do a freshman orientation for one hour, you know, to stuff 800 kids into a room and have them, you know, think about the subject and laugh about it and then go home and then that's it. Or another example she uses is a university that, you know, placed all of these massive posters up around campus about explaining what is sexual assault and, you know, here's the phone number. So it isn't that these projects aren't helpful and useful, but they don't do enough. It is kind of putting a putting a Band-Aid on a much bigger issue. So it's a way for a university to say, we've, we've done it. Or even like there are apps on the market now that you can use. You can, students can have their phone and an app and, you know, okay, am I consenting to this? But the problem is without a real healthy understanding of communicating and respect and all this stuff that goes into a sexual relationship, the tools are are not going to be enough. Right. And, and it's sort of like the tools are a symptom of 
a lack of comprehensive education and comprehensive resources towards educating about consent. So you have these apps popping up because there are holes in sort of this landscape. Yeah, exactly. And and she's, uh, Freitas is very sympathetic towards, you know, the student affairs people who have to tackle a really complicated issue. A lot of times they don't have a budget for it. You know, it isn't to blame any of the people who are organizing these things, but she really sees it as like the onus should be on university presidents, faculty. They're the people who should really engage in the subject. And are those Freitas's intended audience, university presidents and administration people? Yes. Yes. And so she directs the book to university presidents and she sees presidents as having a much more critical role in the conversation than maybe they're aware of. Students really do follow to a large extent the kind of culture that's handed down from the top. Uh, For example, university presidents Um, showing up at a small group discussion with students. That sends a message to the school, to the students, to the whole community, that this college and this president take the issue very seriously. They are not leaving the students to figure it out on their own. They want to be part of the education. So when they don't kind of put that public face on it, when they don't show up, when faculty don't show up, for um, discussions, when they don't bring it up in class, when they're not kind of available to engage the students, it becomes a problem that the students have to deal with. So she really, Freitas really sees presidents as being critical in creating a healthy sexual culture on campus. And apart from presidents taking this issue more seriously and getting much more involved, what are some of the other solutions that Freitas presents? So presidents being involved is one. Um, A big part that she writes about is including sexual assault education in the curriculum. And this doesn't mean just in one women's studies class. It means in philosophy and means in sociology and in history and in all of these different subjects. Professors should find a way to bring discussions about complex topics like this into the classroom. So that's a big, a big um, solution that she sees. And another way is um, that has proved successful uh, is using kind of hypothetical scenarios about sexual assault in these classes so that students can engage in the issues in a, in a deep way and really think about the complexity of it without having to be in a classroom and, you know, talk about real experiences without having to really get to that level, but being, being able to kind of step, step away from the issue and think, how should we be treating each other as people? How do I want to be treated? How, you know, how should I treat my partner? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this issue is really complex and it's heavy stuff, too. And there's a lot of bad or at least limited policy around it currently. But what I think is really interesting is that Freitas retains a sort of level of optimism throughout this book. She's not just focused on 
the failed policies and the failures of the universities, but she presents solutions. And I'm curious, as someone who, you know, wrote about this book, what does her optimism look like and why is it so important? Freitas is optimistic because she sees that colleges are starting to pay attention, even if she doesn't think they're doing the best job possible. She also sees that students are much more willing to engage in in the discussions than they used to be. So she told me that when she used to come on campuses, students didn't always know how to kind of react or to engage in the discussions. And now it is kind of a basic assumption that we are going to have those discussions on campus. So that's a really big thing. She also sees that students really do care about it, and they just don't always have the tools to know what to do. So she sees that the the people at the top of the hierarchy, like mostly the fraternities, the athletes, these people have a really, really big influence on how other people on campus behave. And she sees that as also a way to kind of start shifting the culture in a healthier direction by really kind of reaching all of the people and especially maybe the people who have a lot of influence. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But I just want to thank you so much, Hope, for talking to us about Freitas's new book, Consent on Campus. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. To read the full story, go to vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. And make sure to tune in again on Monday for another Vice Guide to Right Now.